Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. I do not want to see Dublin become like London. London is the most surveilled city in the world, and it's awful. It is, it's ironic that George Orwell was from London, but the fact that it's, it has become Big Brother over there, I don't want to see that. But nor do I want to see a situation where a guard is involved in an altercation, and he or she is the only one who doesn't have footage of it, because the, maybe the, the friends or colleagues of the person who was involved in the altercation have all filmed it on their mobile phones. And you have a situation now where that's what's happening. One of the things I see these body cams as being a crucial tool to protect us all, to protect the individual who interacts with the Gardaí and to protect the Garda who interacts with the public. So Gardaí are frequently accused of doing X, Y or Z. A body cam provides independent, verifiable evidence of what did happen. By the same token, not all guards are good. Some guards are overzealous. And if they over if they overstep the mark, there is also independent footage to, to verify what they did or didn't do. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler. Now, Ireland will soon start using facial recognition technology an awful lot more and it's about to start letting Gardaí wear body cams. The Gardaí say that both of these are, quote, essential and the government mostly agrees. So they're about to get on with it. But how should we feel about this? Are we quietly entering a new era where AI systems categorise us in the streets or red flag us? or alert authorities based on our supposed level of compliance with the law, or in a country of dash cams and ring doorbells, where people often voluntarily give up footage to help solve a local crime, is it sort of inevitable? Well, Senator Barry Ward is a barrister who has appeared before the International Criminal Court and is also vice chair of the Oireachtas' Justice Committee, which last week held hearings into this. Barry is this something useful and helpful or something dystopian and creepy? Um, I think first and foremost it's useful and helpful, which is not to say that it doesn't have the capacity to become dystopian. But I think it's important to separate out a couple of the issues that you mentioned in your in your preamble there. The first is that this technology is already in use in Ireland. It may not be used in law so enforcement. So let's, let's just... Let's just clarify that. When you say the technology, you're probably referring to facial recognition yeah. technology there. And you're probably referring to child abuse symmetry, are you? Child abuse okay. symmetry, which is it is used in, but the biometric data is used in lots of different areas. Passports, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Department of Social Protection uses it. So this is not necessarily a brave new dawn in terms of the processing of people's data. Um, the second thing is... Well, sorry, and just on that, so just to... 
I suppose define what we're talking about here when we say facial recognition technology. Yeah. So the Garda Commissioner last week at these hearings, he gave the example of the footage from the Dublin riots and he mm. said that he had eight Gardaí at the moment going through, I think it was 22,000 hours of footage. And he said it would take, you know, weeks or months. It, 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 he said it was dragging on and he yeah. said it, if the Gardaí had the facility of facial recognition technology that what they would be able to do was when they were when they let's say saw somebody coming out of a footlocker maybe their jacket maybe their face they might be able to then use the software to locate to follow that person say um, through other clips so that by the time they take off their their mask they might be able to recognize them yeah. so that's i think that's the gist of And this is something I put to the Commissioner and to the head of IT within the guards of the committee last week. My understanding of what this technology is is essentially a control F, the same way you would in a Word document or a PDF mm. to find something. Obviously, it's much more sophisticated than that. But if you had a 100,000 page PDF, instead of asking a guard to sit down and read the 100,000 pages, you can control F and search for Barry Ward or search for whatever it is. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't require protections and it doesn't mean that there yeah, are Yeah, because that can freak people out as yeah, well. Yeah, of course it can. Because you, if, if your 100,000 page document had, for example, human rights attached to it mm -hmm. or if it had, you know, yeah. some of the words in that document yeah. had a right to and, privacy. And one of the complaints that many of the other members of the committee made or the concerns that they expressed was that this technology has a history of getting it wrong when it comes to people who are ethnically different, people who are women, you know, people who have who are not part of the norm. And so it That's has... That's technically wrong, you mean, yeah. Yes, sorry, it misidentifies wrong. people. I think what, so, I think what, to me, what freaks people out maybe, and we'll, we'll come on to the uses of this, but... While we're on this subject, the idea, for example, that the the Gardaí might have, let's say, a watch list. Now, they've said they're not going to do this, but let's say, for example, they have an awful lot of footage and from body cams, for example. And let's say that footage arrives back and they have a watch list of people and they just decide to run, say, you know, find Adrian Weckler or f find Barry Ward. Now, just to be clear... I actually put some of these questions to the, the guard, the chief information officer. He said that's not what they intend. But the ability to use facial recognition technology, I mean, it's pretty powerful and it could be pretty all-encompassing. All yeah, but they will not be permitted to do that under the legislation that's going through. And what is crucial, and I've said this on a number of occasions, both when we first looked at the recording devices legislation last year and when the new bill came through, is what will be absolutely vital in this in terms of protecting you and me and everyone else is the protocols that are that are designed. You can't put them into legislation. They're, they will be so detailed and so complex that I wouldn't understand them and any other member of the legislature would, legislature would not understand the them. The guards will understand them. Um, well, they'll have to yeah. because if they, they will, if they fall foul of them, there will be penalties. But the more important thing is they need to be flexible and you need to have a situation where the minister can, from time to time, change those protocols and change the way that the systems are used. But what is absolutely clear from the legislation is there is not a general power for the guards to simply unleash this technology on all the CCTV they have and all the faces that they have in their database mm. or international databases as well from Europol, Interpol, etc. They will not be able to just decide to find Barry Ward or Adrian Reckler mm. somewhere. They can't do that. The legislation is very specific that it is to be used in connection not just with a criminal investigation but a criminal investigation for specific offences. Mm. And the legislation will include, for example, the kind of public disorder that we saw in Dublin on the 23rd of November. It, it, yeah, it's 
interesting because if you think there are some exceptions to this general idea of the, the you know the right to anonymity an airport for example when you go walk through an airport security systems it's now common to f- come across a, a face scanner yes for example um and I suppose there is a situation, just, just to take the body cams, for example, because that is a separate track. So the Gardaí are about to start testing body cams. They put out a tender recently for um, a proof of concept. That will see some Gardaí in Dublin, Waterford, and I think Limerick, uh, wear body cams uh, on their person as they go about their business. And the idea then is to roll it out to all uniformed Gardaí next year. Now, there are a lot of questions around that and the, it is a natural second part to the conversation along with facial rec- recognition technology. For example, when will those body cams actually be on? Does a guardy does a guardy just go out on the beat, hit the button and it starts recording everything? Now, to the best of my knowledge, you might correct me here, that's not the way that that they plan to do it. Supposedly, there's going to be a code of practice and supposedly what's going to happen is there has to be a suspicion, uh, a bona fide suspicion of an offence being committed or some sort of similar situation. Um, so, but 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 if, it, if that wasn't the case and if there was this kind of general catch everything in the camera footage, you could see how we're entering a, you know, quite a surveillance society there. I don't agree with that. And okay, we're here in Independent House on Talbot Street. After this, I'm going to walk across to Leinster House. So I'll walk across the city mm. centre of Dublin. I will be caught on hundreds of CCTV systems between here and there. Uh, nobody seems to be concerned about that. Now, I do they, not... They wouldn't pick but, you out in the same detail, though, as, as a guard. Uh, well, account. some of them would. And I can tell you, having worked in, in criminal defence law, some of the cameras that, mm. that, we, that are relied on in prosecutions and that we see in court are incredibly high definition, much more than you might realise. But the reality so, is... So then why, why don't we accept... The idea of body cams because offences are not always committed in public places. Offences are not always committed within the realm of CCTV. But I want to be very clear about this because all the way through, and we also had legislation last year in relation to empowering local authorities to establish CCTV systems. I do not want to see Dublin become like London. London is the most surveilled city in the world, and it's awful. It is. It's ironic that George Orwell was from London, but the fact that it's it is become Big Brother over there. I don't want to see that. But nor do I want to see a situation where a guard is involved in an altercation and he or she is the only one who doesn't have footage of it because maybe the the friends or colleagues of the person who was involved in the altercation have all filmed it on their mobile phones. And you have a situation now where that's what's happening. And people shouldn't be afraid of the notion that Gardaí have the CCTV. They would, for example, if I committed offences between here and Leinster House, they would of course be entitled to go to shops and business between here and there and ask them for their CCTV and ultimately get a a court order telling them to disclose it. So people shouldn't be afraid of that. But one of the questions that, that does arise there though is when a Garda feels that he or she is either under attack or whether there's a reasonable suspicion of something taking place. Now, you know, in a Dublin riot situation, I, I was in the middle of that, it's it's quite clear that the Garda, I would say, had they had the body cams then, would have had them on for a, certainly a majority of the time. Uh, I asked the Garda CIO, would that happen, for example, at a match, at a concert or something? And he said, no, he said he didn't think that would be the case. But for example, let's say there have been there's been a lot of tension in 
uh, a particular area of a city between Gardaí and local residents, does the Garda, uh, as a precaution, turn the body cam on when they're walking down certain streets? It'll be a matter for the code of practice, but no, is, is my understanding is that that's not what it'll be. And in fact, the law generally has recognised the notion that you can't profile areas. There's, um, for a long time, for example, it was the practice of Gardaí to search people for drugs if they're in a particular area. There's a case called Farrell, which has said that that is not a legitimate search. Mm. And so I would say the same logic would apply to the use of body cams. But one of the things I see these body cams as being a crucial tool to protect us all, to protect the individual who interacts with the Gardaí and to protect the Garda who interacts with the public. So Garda are frequently accused of doing X, Y or Z. A body cam provides independent, verifiable evidence of what did happen. By the same token, not all guards are good. Some guards are overzealous. And if they over if they overstep the mark, there is also independent footage to, to verify what they did or didn't do. And what's really important and, and just, is... Just to, yeah. be, to clarify that, the understanding here is that the, the individual guard that has no control over the body cam footage themselves, that once they switch it on, That's right, yeah. until they switch it off, they can't go back and erase it. They go back to the station, it's docked, that footage is then taken off and uh, and, and uh, a proper evidentiary process yes. happens. But what they will have control on, of is when the camera is turned on or off. And that's where the code of practice is going to be crucial. So there was a suggestion, for example, in the Shannon debates that a member of the public might be able to demand the guard turn on the camera. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but I do think what we need is a very stringent code of practice so that if a guard, for example, is doing something nefarious, that if he or she decides not to turn on the camera, that they are answerable for that. Um, and that'll be something that'll be the subject of debate, I think, in the in, in the Garda Ombudsman Commission. But I think also I anticipate next year and the year after in the District Court and the Circuit Court, as criminal cases are coming in involving body cams and footage from them, there will be demands from Garda to account for why the camera was turned on or why the camera wasn't turned on. And Garda are, are entering into a new area now where they're going to have to be on top of their game and understand what the Code of Practice says. And, the, and again, the proper operation of that code will protect us all. Now, I said earlier that according to the Garda's chief information officer, Andrew Sullivan, Garda won't just be turning on the body cams coming back into the station and, you know, for other Garda to say run watch lists uh, against that footage. It has they, When they're interrogating that footage, it has to be attached to fairly specific um, crimes or offences. On the other hand, isn't that a little bit odd? Like, let's say in the case of a child abduction, for example, you might have, uh, or a fugitive, and it might there might be an area where it's suspected or known where that person or that uh, abductee is, and a guard might be um, out in, the, in that area and might have come back with footage of something else. Isn't it a little bit odd that uh, that, that footage wouldn't be parsed for, for that kind of outstanding... I don't. I don't know that it wouldn't be. I mean, the, the restrictions within the legislation at the moment are that the footage can only be um, examined if it's part of a specific investigation. If the guard are in possession of footage that happens to bear on that investigation, I would have thought they would be able to look at it. But what you aren't allowed to do is, for example. You leave Pierce Street on your beat and you turn on the camera and it's on all day and everyone you see is therefore subject to being passed through some kind of technological sieve. That won't happen. But if you have a situation, for example, when the, for argument's sake, a guard on the beat comes across a robbery of the AIB in Grafton Street, uh, which I hope is very unlikely, 
he or she can switch on the camera and capture anything that, that is seen in that area at that time. I think that's entirely reasonable. Um, and it is also a protection that's built into the law to ensure that you don't have, again, that mass surveillance of a population that isn't necessary and would take up mm. huge space on any database. Sure, no, or, or, it, it yeah. would. But we already have a flavour of that. For example, and the Garda Commissioner referred to it, uh, at the moment, Garda cars can scan vehicle mm. license plates in yeah. real time on, a, on our roads yeah. to check whether they've got outstanding offences yeah, or anything attached. Lots of people attached. will already have, under, have experienced this. They're yeah. going down the road and they pass a Garda I mean, car. That's real time monitoring. It is. That's right. But it's also appropriate. Um, you know, if you're driving around without insurance, for example, which is the real thing that the automatic number plate recognition system is supposed to capture, it links into insurance companies' databases. You drive past a Garda car with this active. And remember, this technology is in a lot of the Garda cars, but it isn't turned on all the time. But they maybe they're carrying out a separate check. The alternative is to do it the way they used to do it, where every car will be stopped. Every disc could be looked at. Maybe a phone call would be made if there was a suspicion. This is a system that does it automatically. Massive so, time saver. in principle... What is the difference between that and, let's say, after the Dublin riots? I have to be careful how I phrase that. But let's say the, the detection techniques that the Gardaí have used have traced a number of individuals, say to, say, to a particular area. What is the difference between a Garda using a body cam, using facial, recog uh, facial recognition technology walking through that street on, on a normal day and then going back and just running a sweep through the footage. Well, the law, for starters, there yeah, won't be a permission I mean, to do it. But I suppose principle. what you have is a situation at the moment where the, the commissioner said at the committee last week that they gather all the footage from Dublin City Centre at the, the night of that unrest and individual guards are sitting down and watching it. One of the things I put to the commissioner and the chief information officer last week was that actually... That, uh, that individual guard, if he or she is watching seven, eight hours of footage in a row, is much more likely to make a mistake than the software is. Um, that doesn't mean there shouldn't be protocols in place. And the other thing that I was saying is that we must make sure that, the, that, the, that we design out the biases that the software has where it's been used in America, where there are much greater problems mm. with that kind of thing. But what's crucial about this, Adrian, is it'll never be used live. So it's never the intention that Garda Barry Ward is walking down O'Connell Street with his body cam on. And an alarm on. goes off. Exactly. There's yep. Adrian Weckler. We have a warrant for mm. his arrest. Nab him. That's never going to happen. That did happen in San Francisco and Boston. And that was where the, the errors that the software is bringing up were clearly problematic because it identifies Adrian Weckler. In fact, it's John Murphy. And you nab John Murphy and you think it's Adrian Weckler, but you don't find out it's John Murphy until See, you get him back to the station. It's a funny station. one because I know, I, even as I'm saying this, I know there's a portion of punters out there that would say it'd be great if we had a, a system like that. We'd yeah. be able to nab, you know, some rapist or... Yeah, it's problematic though because it makes mistakes. Mm. And what it, crucially what it does is it really removes the individual decision-making capacity of a Garda. That's one of the great strengths of Angorda Giorgana, the discretion that they have to decide how to act, when to act, or what to do about something. And if you have a situation where they're getting a buzz saying, arrest that person, that's taking away that discretion. And I'd much rather have a situation where the Garda goes, that's Adrian Merkler, and goes over and talks to the person mm. says, you know, 
can I see some ID? Who are you? Here's my suspicion, whatever it is. Caution them in the appropriate way, that kind of thing. That's the way it should be done, as opposed to leaving these decisions up to technology or to machine. Uh, we should say as well that the, the ban on live facial recognition technology really came from Europe, didn't it? It was the European yeah, exactly. Parliament the Act last the European year Parliament, yeah. who, uh, who, who banned that. And that is clearly a trade-off that we're willing to make. It's a security trade-off we're willing to make um, in favour of privacy. Have you ever been to China? I'm afraid I have, and I'm the co-chair of the International Parliamentary or Interparliamentary Alliance on China. And so we're looking at this a huge in a huge context, and there is a major surveillance problem with China. I use London because it's our near neighbour, and lots of people use London. But the level of surveillance, the intrusiveness on the the civilian population in China is extraordinary. And again, I would never want to see something yeah, like well, that. Do you know here. what struck me is I was in Shenzhen, and we were in a traffic jam, but there was the equivalent of a bus lane or or a taxi lane. There wasn't one car went into the bus. Yeah. Lane or taxi lane because they knew they'd be caught. Yeah. That happens in London as well, though. Mm. Again, they've cameras in bus lanes. They've cameras on the backs of buses. So if you follow a bus into a bus lane, you'll you'll get photographed and you'll just get an automated fine in the post. I'm uncomfortable with that level of surveillance mm. and that level of automated prosecution. There should be a human element. And that's another important thing about yeah. the F4T is that at the end of the day, if you pass the footage from whatever event through it and it says there's Barry Ward it will still be the Garda who will have to say am I happy that's Barry Ward he or she will have to pass it up the line and there's a number of people who will have to be satisfied if they're all satisfied then a file goes to the DPP the directing officer in the DPP's office must also be satisfied that that's the right person and if a prosecution results a jury or a judge as the case may be will also have to be satisfied so you still have a number of hurdles that have to be crossed but what the the great achievement of the FRT is that it means that guard doesn't spend 22 hours 222 hours sitting down watching CCTV. They can parse the stuff through the FRT and save an awful lot of time. But the key thing is the decision is still being made by a human. Where do you see this debate going? Because there's always been a certain amount of tension, which we've kind of been going back and forward over over the last few minutes. Um, you know, cyclists, for example, tend to be a little bit more law and order on this issue because they are the ones, they feel that they are the ones who are often the victim of hit and runs, of aggressive behavior. They, you ask a cyclist and many of them would say they're, they're all for more cameras. And they don't care whether it's automated and they, they want to see uh, more prosecutions. But there's always been this idea, particularly in a common law jurisdiction like, like ours, ironically more so now than the, the, the ultimate common law jurisdiction at London, that we do have a right to privacy, that it's a civil liberty and we're actually willing to give up some security for that. So now that we are moving ahead with some facial recognition technology, we're moving ahead with things like Garda body cams, albeit for reasons that many people, including majority in government, which is why it's being passed, might agree with. Where do you see that going? Uh, well, I think it's, uh, you said at the beginning that these are two separate strands and they are. So we talk about facial recognition technology. Garda body cams are a separate issue. That is about providing Gardi with the the tools to record certain instances. So I would imagine, for well, we example, do know that they will work together they, in some circumstances. They will, but I would imagine in the vast majority of cases, the Garda will know that at half past four on Tuesday afternoon, that's when it happened, and they will have it there. The FRT is much more of a data processing tool. So, for example, if you have CCTV or indeed footage from from a, a Garda body cam, and you know that in a in a six hour period something happened. You search through that to find the event or the person or the car or whatever it might be. Um, but I think what's really important is that the legislation builds in protections. More importantly, 
what once that legislation is passed, there will be codes of conduct and protocols for the operation of the technology. They will be the, the real test of where the protections are. They will be signed off by the minister and they'll be done in conjunction with the minister's office. So there is a, an executive function there to make sure that they do what they do they, they need to do. I know a number of my colleagues in the Senate want those protocols to be laid before they rocked us, before they passed. I don't think that's going to happen. But I come back to the idea that I don't think any of us is qualified really to assess how effective they are. But they will be available and they will, my understanding is they will not be competent confidential documents. So those who do have expertise in this area will be able to assess if there is an efficacy issue or not. But but in terms of whether most of us believe that this is just common sense on the one hand or on the other hand, a step too far, it's, it's pretty hard to judge. I was, I was kind of asking you what your sense is around that because a lot of us now have ring doorbells and dash cams. And, and if something happens, if a bike gets stolen, for example, in the neighborhood, often the guards will come around and they'll say, does anybody have ring doorbell footage and usually somebody does and usually they're happy to give it up as well. As well. But then on the other hand, there is something yeah. a little dystopian this about is, that. This is a constant tension that operates in our criminal justice system. And I see articles in the papers all the time, so-and-so should be done or can't believe that person got acquitted. They got off on a technicality. And of course, mm. they didn't get off on a technicality. I have this conversation as a criminal defense barrister. I have this conversation with people all the time. We do not have technicalities in the law. We have the law. And the law is a bunch of pieces of legislation, statutory instruments, but also case law all of which come together and are designed to build in protections for you and for me and for everyone else. The problem is that people approach this from the point of view of imagining themselves being the victim of crime, imagining themselves being somebody who lost something or was injured or whatever it is, and they never think of themselves as a potentially falsely accused person. And that's the way we have to approach the system because the protections are there to protect you and me in the event that somebody points the finger at us and we end up being tried for whatever it is that we didn't do. And if people looked at it through that different prism, I think they would see it differently. And that's where the rights to privacy the, you know, and data protection God, are so You sound so like important. a bleeding heart liberal, uh, well, Barry. I think in many ways I am, but I, I'd like to think I can balance the two. I mean, of course, we have to have effective law enforcement and we have to equip the Guardian. I've always supported that. But in tandem with that, we've got to protect people because in this, at the same time that, they, for example, the, the unrest happened here on the 23rd of November, people saying, oh, there aren't enough guards here, there aren't enough guards there. And I don't dispute that. But nor can you have a guard in every corner. And if you have a guard in every corner, there's a name for that. It's a police state. And we don't want that either. So you the have to did, find... The guards did their best. Uh, I'm not I, criticizing the guards. I was there the in the middle of it. Yeah, I, I and I am criticizing the guards. What I'm saying and, is that... Um, I'm actually amazed that they put up with as yeah. much as they did. And, and we are lucky to have guards who do that because they they have... Um, Leo Varadkar used the term con- policing by consent during the, the pandemic. And I think that's exactly what we have. And I talked about that discretion earlier as well. We have... We are incredibly lucky to have an unarmed police force, a police force that exercised discretion and a police force that is of the community. I lived in France. That was not necessarily the case. Oh my particularly God, you, you in wouldn't Paris. mess with yeah. the CRS The, in the CRS, Paris. Are, and I've seen them in action, unfortunately, in crowd control situations. They don't hang about in Take beating no up citizens. I mean, it, 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 in the last 50 years, they killed 19 Niger- Algerians in Paris and dumped their bodies in the Seine for 60 years. So it's, you know, we don't have that here and thank God we don't. So we should be grateful for the guardian that we have, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be equipping them with the tools to do the job they need to do. And it is constantly that balancing between giving them more powers and equipment, but also safeguarding all of us in terms of our individual uh, rights, our protections and all the rest. The law that is is built up over generations to protect us in the event that we're accused of a crime falsely. Okay, look, we'll we'll leave it there. Senator Barry Ward, a defence barrister, 
uh, and Vice Chair of the Oireachtas' Justice Committee. Thank you very much Thanks, for coming Adrian. in and engaging robustly on that. Gav Hennessy was on sound today. JJ Clark produced. I'm Adrian Weckler and you've been listening to The Big Tech Show. And we'll talk to you soon. Shachtan and Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agus Suligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Ven own, Thordorakshin. Ben Marav. Schachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.